Go ahead and have a seat, guys. Thanks, Jeff and Kel. We're going to be in a lot of different places. The first place we'll be is Matthew chapter 7, so you can turn there if you want. Um, We've been talking about uh, when obedience is hard, and we kind of concluded that last week. Um, But sort of a a conclusion to the conclusion is what I want to bring in front of us today. Um, And it's really specifically what Jesus had to say about obedience. Um, So uh, before we get there, let's let's pray. God, I, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the worship that you have allowed us to have, God. I thank you for the the moments of intimacy and the the beautiful passion you showed us this morning as we gather to pray and uh, as we've just sung, God. Lord, I pray for uh, the truth of the words that we just sang to to be the the cry of our hearts, God. Um, Lord, you've struck my heart this morning with rain in all the earth asking you to reign in all the earth. And Father, we, uh, we confess to you that our hearts are part of this earth, God. So I, I ask you to reign in our hearts, God. Lord, guide us now as we look into your scripture. Guide us now as we look into your word. Uh, keep us free from distraction. Keep us uh, focused on who you are, God. Lord, we want to trust you. We want to give our lives completely over to you. I pray now that you would guide us as we study your word. In Christ's name, amen. So Matthew chapter 7, we are uh, uh, at the close, like I just said, of our series on when obedience is hard, and we're looking today at what Jesus has to say at obedience. And we've looked for the last several weeks about when obedience is hard, and we've looked at several men in Scripture and and saw uh, what they did, giants of Scripture like Noah, like Moses, and like David, and we've seen how obedience for them in particular instances was was very hard um and that's one of the reasons why we have we've done this series is to show you men of scripture who were obedient in the face of difficult times when obedience was hard they continued and, and were faithful in their obedience but i think uh the the secondary point and probably the more important point uh is is this and i, I hope you've seen this theme as we've been walking through this this, I guess, eight-week series, um, is obedience always, I want to say this very clearly and slowly, obedience always brings a deeper, more pure, more intimate relationship with God, which is the reason that we're all here to begin with. The purpose that you're here on this planet is to have relationship with God, and obedience brings that in a more pure, more intimate Way And I, I want to explain what I mean when I say a more pure relationship. And, and I want to I say it very carefully. I'm going to pay careful attention to my notes here because I want to say this very specifically because it's important at, at the top of, of the message this morning. Disobedience brings strife into our lives and pollutes our relationship with God. Disobedience brings strife into our lives and pollutes our relationship with God. As we walk in obedience with God, we experience Him in a more pure, unimpeded way. We experience what we were intended to experience, which is perfect communing relationship with God. These are all 
the, the result and benefit of obedience. This joy is the joy of heaven. This is the joy of heaven. This perfect abiding, communing, unimpeded relationship that we have with God that's brought about by obedience. This is the joy of heaven. Completely redeemed self, completely redeemed world to live in, and a perfectly pure relationship with God. That's, that's what the, the picture of heaven. Many, people, many times people think about what's heaven going to be like. Heaven is going to be like this. Perfectly redeemed people, perfectly redeemed place to live, perfect unimpeded relationship with a holy God. That's, that's heaven. Now you can talk about like my wife does whether or not there'll be Chick-fil-A there or not, whatever. But ultimately, Scripture, Eric's not uh, shaking his head like it's not going to be there. Um, we'll talk later. Uh, but ultimately, the joy of heaven is a perfectly redeemed self, perfectly redeemed place to live, and a perfectly redeemed relationship with a perfect and holy God. And as we walk in obedience, we get to experience glimpses of that. So obedience brings about the kingdom of God. Obedience gets rid of sin. Obedience gets rid of, of the strife and impurity in our relationship with God and impurity in our relationship with people that that sin brings. That's what obedience brings, this sort of taste or picture or image of, of the kingdom. Uh, so I want to I put that in front of us as uh, the purpose, the motivation behind obedience as we walk through this. Because part of our sin nature tells us this. When somebody stands in front of us and tells us what to do, our sin nature, wanting to choose self, wanting to be self-governed, wants to rebel against that. And ultimately, it becomes a, a, a child kicking and screaming, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. I, I do that with, yesterday we, we went down to, to Kirksville, or went up to Kirksville with my daughter for, for visitation, college visitation day, parents day, whatever. And there was a moment where Cooper was just out of his mind. He was, he was tired from traveling all day and just screaming and yelling and throwing a fit. And I, I, I picked him up and I don't even remember what, what it was. I'm like, and I said to him, Cooper, I need you to listen to me. I need you to behave. I need you to obey. I, I, I'm not trying to give some power trip to you. I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. And so many times we are just like Cooper, kicking and screaming and wailing, distrusting God because he wants to govern us instead of us governing ourselves. But ultimately, the reason God wants to govern us, the reason God lays in front of us things to obey is to bring about this kingdom of God why you're here, why you exist, to take strife away from you. But we white-knuckle grip our self-control, our self-governing, and so we disobey because of that. And ultimately what that is is your sin nature at the heart of you. And so what I want to do this morning is look into Scripture and see what Jesus said and, and understand that our sin nature causes us to be broken. And when I say broken in this context, it's not broken like as in I did something really bad and I'm really, really sorry for it. That's one aspect of brokenness. What I'm talking about, one definition of brokenness, the brokenness I'm talking about is we don't work anymore. If I were to pick this up and break it over my knee, this would be broken. We are that. We are broken. We don't work. We don't do why we are, ex why we, we're, we're, spoken or, or into existence. We don't do why we, we are here. To, we, do, we don't do what we are here to do. 
And that's our sin nature that does that. But, but Jesus came and lived a perfect life in perfect obedience so that we could not only trust him, but also have the opportunity to respond to him in obedience and, as a result, experience a portion of the kingdom of God that I talked about a minute ago. So, enough of the, the lead-up. Let's get into Scripture. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. I'm going to just kind of lay this out. This is the close of the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm going to talk a lot about the Sermon on the Mount because there's, uh, that's in Matthew 5 through 7. Uh, no other place in Scripture is Christ more clearly laying out things that we are to be obedient in than in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to call us to, to, to spend a lot of time, even this week and the next couple of months, to, to really study intently and deeply this Sermon on the Mount. So, Matthew seven twenty four is the close of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has, has finished his first teaching, his, his, probably his most important teaching that he'll do on the planet, and this is what he says to close it. Familiar passage for us to see, but I, I want us to see it in the context of Jesus laying out what it means to obey him. Has, he's just done that, and this is what he closes with, this familiar context. Uh, Matthew seven twenty four. Everyone who hears these words of mine the stuff that I've just called you to obedience, in other words, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. We'll walk through this and read some quotes later on, but, but that word wise, we are wise to obey. We are unwise to go play in traffic. We are wise, and, and that's something I, I do to my kids. I, it's, don't run out in the middle of a parking lot. Don't run out in the middle of the street. We're, they're wise not to do that. Us, we need, to, we need to put that same understanding to us, that we are dumb like our kids are, and they'll run out in the middle of traffic if we're not careful. But Christ has laid out for us, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, words for us to live by, and we're wise to do that. Verse 25. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. Strife happens in this earth. That's the rain, the storms, the stuff that's happening here on this planet. Strife happens. When we walk a life of obedience, we are not shaken because our life is built on the the unchanging truth of Scripture. Aletheia truth is what the in John 14, 6 and other places in Scripture where, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. My truth, my words are truth. That's Aletheia truth. It's true under any matter of consideration which means it's unaffected by its circumstances. The stuff that Christ tells us to obey means that we, when we root ourselves in that, we are unaffected by circumstances. That affects our attitude. That affects our response to people. That affects our, how we work and, and relate to our bosses, how we relate to our, our spouses, how we relate to our friends. When we are built on this this core of understanding the truth of Scripture and, and follow in obedience Christ, we are unshaken by the circumstances in this planet. It's, it's vital for us to see, and it's vital for us to come to grips with and, and build our lives, our house, the things that we do on the truth of Christ and His Word. Verse 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. 
We obey, we have strength. We disobey, life falls apart. Duh. But yet, we're all going to walk from this message this morning. We're going to walk from this place this morning and walk into our lives next week. And we are going to be the man who's building his house in the sand. Because we're dumb, self-centered, broken people. Not broke, sorry broken, but don't work broken. So, let's look specifically at, at some things that Christ uh, has to say about obedience. First, he commands obedience in the Great Commission. And flip over a, a few chapters in Matthew to chapter 28. And we're going to see uh, some more last words of Christ. The ones we just looked at were the last words of the Sermon on the Mount. The ones we're going to look at now are the last words that he says even on this earth, on this planet. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He's leaving this earth and he's leaving instructions to his disciples as he leaves the earth. He's come and, and lived out this, this all of history redemption, redemption plan and he's leaving it with these guys. And he says in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He's giving them commandments, things for them to do, directives to do, things to obey. First one, go and make disciples. The second one, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. By the way, next week we're going to get to baptize somebody. Uh, Come back. We're going to have a great time baptizing Ben Hammond, who's in with our kids this morning. Uh, Awesome opportunity for us to follow in obedience but also to, to witness uh, the culmination of somebody in his, his spiritual journey. And then the, the, the last thing he says there, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So Christ, as he's leaving, commands his disciples to go and, and teach people to obey. So Jesus' last words on this planet are, hey, it's really important for people to obey. I want you to go and teach people to obey the stuff that I've taught you to obey. And it's not some power trip that we need to rebel against. It's the path to joy. It's a path to, uh, to happiness and contentment, which is the second thing I want to bring in front of us. He not only commands it in the Great Commission, he also ties it to our happiness slash contentment with him. Um, and this one is, is kind of gentle and sweet. I, I, want to, I want to clarify what I'm talking here. Um, when I say happiness slash contentment, um, Luke chapter 11, verse 28 says this, But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. This word, blessed here. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed, the, the best translation for our feeble language called English for the, from this Greek word, blessed, is happiness. But I think for us, if I were to say happiness in 2010 western civilization happiness is tied to the health of us the health of our family uh how much money we have in the bank whether or not we can take a vacation next summer um whether or not we all these things are are tied what 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 we think of our job all these things we tie to happiness and so we can impose that understanding of happiness on this passage happy are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And so when we obey scripture and then things come into our life that are difficult, we can question, well, what's, what's this happening here? But ultimately, this word is, is probably better stated and better understood in our context to be happiness combined with contentment. 
And contentment is, I am, I'm fine with the lot, with the position, God, that you have placed me. Thank you for the gifts that you've given me and for the difficulty that you've given me. Thank you for that too. So this understanding of blessed, this is, these are the, this is the, the notion that comes to us when we obey. We have this, this happiness which is beyond stuff and health and, and good families and good jobs and friends and all that stuff and, and more to the point of, 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 of a sweet and gentle contentment. Um, I, I look back, we, we drove back late last night from, from Kirksville and I looked back and my Mia and Cooper were in the back seat of my van and they were both asleep. It was like 10 o'clock at night and they, they're both like cuddling their, their blankets and, and just sound asleep and just watching the, the comfort and contentment that they had reminded me of what I was going to say this morning. It's that understanding of I'm just, just comfortable. I can rest where you have me, God. And this is a benefit of obedience. I, I have that notion of, of warm, comfortable, sleeping children in the back of a car and just the comfort and contentment that's there. Apply that understanding to your life as a result of obedience. Let's read that, this verse again. Content, warm, peaceful are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Do you see the, the wisdom in that? Do you want to have strife and difficulty and hardship? Disobey. Do you want to have peace and joy and contentment? Even in the midst of difficult circumstances. I'm not saying that obedience is going to mean that your boss is going to stop being a jerk. I'm not saying that uh, obedience in your life is going to mean that you're going to get the job you've really been trying to get. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that contentment that comes in the midst of those situations. You can sit like my kids in the back seat and, and rest peacefully as we obey, as we follow, as we give ourselves over to Christ. The last thing that I want to point out to us that, that Christ talks about in, in Scripture about obedience is he tied it to our loving him. The last one was warm and cuddly, my kids in the, in the, the back of the van. This one is a little bit more intense. I, I want you to, to to turn over to, to John chapter 14. And as I'm praying through this message this week, and, and as I'm thinking through it even now, I hope that the words I'm about to say scare you to death, quite literally. That you understand the death that is in you. John chapter 14. We're going to skip, we're going to read several verses in John chapter 14, but not in succession. He says in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's very clear. If you love Jesus, you will keep his commandments. And this scares me deeply. For me, it scares me deeply for you. Because I break his commandments every stinking day. Today. You have today. This has to shake us. We run around, especially in a, in a Reformed theological church, we run around excited about that we are justified freely forever. Absolutely. No question. Scripture teaches that. But what do we do with this? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
It's hard to get, hard to understand, and, and it should cut us deep. Let's, let's walk further through this. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. I want to say this. We are, we are helpless to obey Christ because of this self-centered, self-governed nature that's within us. But we have this gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and I don't know if, if you're like me. I think you are, because I know most of you very well. Um, that we can, we can very easily lose sight of the, or, or lose the, the practical benefit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can walk around this earth. We, we actually prayed about it in there. We gathered at 9 o'clock. It was, it was too cold for us under the pavilion this morning to pray. So we were kind of sissies and went in there. It was nice and warm. It was content. Uh, so we went in there and prayed. And one of the things that we prayed was that would God would, would remind us to be people of prayer, to, would, would impose on us a knowledge of, of the spirit, of the spiritual things, that God would, would bring this into our minds. And, and we oftentimes are disconnected from the Holy Spirit. And, and our lack, many times we fail in the area of obedience because we are disconnected from the Holy Spirit. Let's go back up to verse 15, and, and I'll hopefully say that a little more clearly. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. That's the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. So here's, here's how we obey. Here's, here's what God has given us. Here's the tools that God has given us to be able to obey. It's the Holy Spirit. But many times for us, when we fail in obedience, it's because we are disconnected from the Holy Spirit. I got this, God. I'm cool. We need to be Every day, we get out of bed. We need to, God, would you remind me of the gift that is your Holy Spirit and descend upon my soul and my spirit and whatever it is in me that makes decisions, descend the Holy Spirit into that core of me and change me that I might obey you. Not because of some power trip, but because that's the path to joy, contentment, to peace. We need to learn to think spiritually. We need to learn to engage the Holy Spirit all the time. We need to learn when strife rears its head, when, when, when idiots on this planet who get in our face and make us sin and make us react improperly or make us do bad stuff, when that comes into us, we need to, to, to be able to be connected with the Holy Spirit in such a beautiful way to say, God, would you help me Holy Spirit, would you help me respond the way you would have me respond? Would I respond in obedience here in the midst of this? We need to engage the Holy Spirit, even pray for his power to overpower us. Because once again, we have this this self-governing nature that wants to govern ourselves, and we need to be praying that the Holy Spirit would overpower that. And Lots of times in Scripture, it talks about the battle between flesh and the, 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 the spirit. We have a, a fleshly nature. That's this self-governing thing I've been talking about. And we have the Spirit of God living within us, and they are at war. It talks about that in Ephesians all over the place. We, they are at war with each other. And we need to be connecting to the spiritual side so that it might overpower our own self-governing, nonsensical, broken person. Skip down to verse 21 in John 14. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. (laughs) 
man, that, I hope this isn't just a word. These aren't just words to you. I, I, I've, I've prayed that we would take this message away from today and, and meditate on the scriptures that God has laid in front of us. And, and I hope this one, John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So many times I pray to God, I, I love you, but I want to love you more. I trust you, God, but I want to trust you more. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Those are four of the most beautiful words in all of Scripture. manifest myself to him. And I hope you see, as I'm, as I'm calling us, as Dave and I have been calling us to obedience for the, the last eight weeks, I hope you see this as the prize. I hope you don't see some muscle-bound God with an angry look on his face. I hope you see a glorious God with arms wide open begging you to run to him. That is the result of obedience manifest myself to him. Manifest. Be made tangible. Something you can hold and touch and taste and breathe and hear and see. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. May we run to God in this beautiful way because he will make himself manifest to us. We sang a song and they were practicing it before like it 8.30, I'm, I'm, I'm here, we're setting up and looking over the, the sermon, and, and they're singing, O Glorious Day. And I stood and, or sat in this chair and wept the beauty of that. One day he's coming, O Glorious Day. He will manifest himself perfectly, purely, forever. And we will experience that. But for now, the glimpse that we get to see is rooted in obedience. One day he's coming, a glorious day. Today, you get to experience him, and the path to that is in obedience. What does this mean for us practically? That's the, the philosophicalness of obedience, but what do Christ's words mean for us practically? Mark Driscoll says this. If we really believe that Jesus is wiser than us, holier than us, kinder than us, more loving than us, and it's for us, then it's foolish to disobey him. One of the things I love about Driscoll is that he, he just is, lays it right out there. This is perfect. If we really believe it, and I think we would, if we gathered around a little circle here and talked about, do we believe these things about Jesus? Is, is he wiser than us? Yes. Is he holier than us? Yes. Is he kinder than us? Yes. Is he more loving than us? Yes. Is he for us? Does he want the best for us? Yes. Then we're idiots if we don't believe him, if we don't trust him, if we don't obey him. We're stupid. Sign me up there. Succinct and to the point, even harsh, but it's helpful. So let's think practically about what it is that we can do to obey him or to not disobey him. First, and this is where I want to guide us to study and think through 
the Sermon on the Mount because there's very clear, very specific things for us to do. First of all, stop gossiping. And I, I hope that that smacks some of you right in the face. I hope you're, you, you just got a little angry at me for telling you to stop gossiping. Because we all have it. We all do it. We all need to confess to the people we gossip about. Because it distracts us from the purity of relationship with God. If we believe what Driscoll just said about the wiser stuff, we're foolish to disobey. Stop it! Stop gossiping. Stop lusting. Lay down the anger in your heart. Go to the people who you have anger in their heart for and beg of them your, their forgiveness of you. This is what Christ is commanding us to do. This is obedience. You want to get practical. You want this pure relationship with God. Christ laid it out for you. Matthew 5 through 7. Pay attention. We all just nodded our heads that Jesus is wiser, holier, kinder, loving, and is for us. Then, okay, he, it's not some mystery what it is we're supposed to obey. Here it is. Stop gossiping. Stop lusting. Stop having anger. Stop not laying down your life for your spouse. Stop not submitting to your spouse. Stop doing all the things that you know you're called to not do. Obey Christ. Not because of some power trip. I'm being redundant on purpose. Not because of some power trip. Because this is the way to have life. This is the kingdom of God come to this planet so that we can have perfect, unimpeded, pure relationship with a holy God. There is enough in Matthew 5 through 7 to keep us busy changing our hearts for the rest of our lives. Meditate, pray through, study those words. The next thing it means for us practically is read Scripture for the purpose of apprehending and applying truth. That aletheia truth that I talked about, that which is true in any matter of consideration, doesn't, is not affected by circumstance. Read Scripture for the purpose of apprehending and applying that sort of unchanging, unwavering truth. Uh, one of the values of North Church, on the back of that sign, it says truth, people, God. Truth is something that we value. And I want to call us to mean what we say when we say we value truth. For me, one of the great things that I value is time with my family. Time with my wife. We like to sit down on the sofa to close a day and just be together. We like to go. Last week, we, we, a lot of crazy stuff was happening, and, and we wound up getting to go have pizza at pie and just just relax and just be together it was a hard day we had been mad at each other all day long and finally we got to go and i valued that greatly i value time with my kids my cooper and gracie both have soccer games today i've been looking forward to it all week long for this sunday afternoon to go and watch them play soccer i value it i've been looking forward to the time when i get to engage watching them play soccer i value it greatly uh and then when that's over, I'm going to get to go back home and sit down on my sofa and watch a little bit of football and probably take a nap. And I value that greatly. I look forward to that. And I want us to, to think about stuff like that that we value. What is it that, that we long to do on this earth, on this planet? What is it? Think in your mind what you, 
just can't wait to do. Stuff you've looked forward to for months and months and months. Or something that, that helps get you. It's a Monday morning and something's coming on Friday night that you can't wait to get to Friday for. That helps you drive through the mundane difficulty of Monday to Friday so you can get to the weekend. It's what you value. Here, for us, practically, we need to value truth like we value those things. I've begged God to place in my heart a passionate desire to apprehend and apply his truth, the same passionate desire I have to sit on the sofa with my wife to close a day, to get rid of everything else and go sit down at a restaurant and have pizza with her, or to to long to get to be with my kids and watch them play soccer and the joy that's there. I long to do those things. I greatly value those things. My prayer for all of us is that we would value apprehending and applying the truth of God in that sort of way. And that's what it means. That's a practical way for us to obey Scripture, to obey what Christ has commanded us to do. The, the last thing for us is very similar, is don't be a Bible student like Satan. I want that, that idea to just rattle in your brain a second. Don't be a Bible student like Satan. It's not enough to simply read Scripture. It's not enough to communicate with God. Satan does those things. He's, he's smarter than any human being has ever walked this planet with regard to what Scripture is. He communicates with God. It's not enough. Don't be a Bible student like Satan. James 1.22 Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And this is a danger for us. We're, we're young. We're free. We can be arrogant in our understanding of scripture like i know scripture so i'm gonna allow my knowledge of scripture to be what paints what i do what i don't do we're young we're free we're we we can be scripturally arrogant and that can breed a satanic approach to the bible by satanic i'm not talking about like Ozzy Osbourne, Nine Inch Nails, sort of Satanism. I'm talking about a Satan-like approach to to Scripture. A Satan-like approach to truth. A Satan-like approach to obedience. I want to close with uh, another quote from Driscoll and then a quote from Jesus. Driscoll says this, As we open the Bible to meet with Jesus... Repent of sin that causes distance from Jesus and are filled with the same Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus, we are gladly, we are able to gladly obey Scripture. This is a very practical way for us to apply this understanding of obedience. Think through what he's just said. As we open the Bible to meet with Jesus, we open 
Scripture. I want to stop and think about the depth of that statement. As you open your Bible to meet with the creator of the universe who one day is going to come back to this earth and bring you to him and allow you to live perfectly forever in unimpeded, beautiful relationship with God. That Jesus who wants to reveal his character to your heart is all throughout every word of Scripture. As you open your Bible to meet with Christ, may we just, we could just stop there and this would be a great message for us to apply to our lives. Every time you open Scripture, every time you read one word of Scripture, this is an opportunity for you to meet Jesus. Man, that's, that wipes my heart. Just, it wipes it out. It's beautiful. As we open our Bible to meet with Jesus and repent of sin, understanding that it's that sin that causes us distance from Christ and are filled with the same Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus, we have this gift that we need to just connect to. That brings opportunity to obey. We are gladly able to obey Scripture. And the result of that is a glorious day. When we relate to Christ, when we see the beauty of who He is. See my kids sleeping in the back of my van, the, the, the beautiful contentment and peace that they have. And I, I even think about Cooper woke up somewhere along Highway 70 and said, Daddy, I need a drink. He's got a, I, I gave him a drink. That is, that is it. That's the result of obedience. Contented, happy, gentle, loving place where needs are met. Like now. The way to get there, obey. close with a quote from our Savior, Jesus. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Let's pray. God, I I come before you humble and broken. God, I pray that you would lead us, that we would follow you. Not just in the exactness of this moment, but in our work weeks, in our lives, in our relationships, that we would follow you in obedience. God, I pray that you would break through our stubborn, hard heads, God. God, help us to not be stupid anymore. God, give us your Holy Spirit in a real, profound, deep way. God, allow us to connect there. We would rise and obey. God, we want to be obedient. We want you in a pure way. God, remind us
burn those words into our hearts. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now that we know these things, we will be blessed if we do them. God, burn those words into our hearts. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for this life. I thank you for my justification. I thank you for your son and his death and resurrection. It's in his perfect name that I pray. Amen.